Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Hey, good to see you guys. God bless y'all on this Sunday morning. What's up, family? Good to see you guys. Good morning. Great to see y'all. So we began a series last week entitled Rebuild the Story of Nehemiah. And I believe this has a lot of pertinence and significance for us, especially as believers, most especially as believers, because we got to get to the place where we can rebuild, because there's a lot of rebuilding that needs to happen in our, in our society, sometimes with our minds, sometimes with our emotions. You ever been through grief? You ever lost a loved one? Man, you had to rebuild, didn't you? You had to rebuild your life without them. So... This series, I believe, is so important because it includes all of us. Somebody say all of us. There's something in here for everybody. And the beauty of God's Word is, I don't have to be the most articulate or eloquent preacher ever, which I'm not. I'm pretty conversational. But I do know this, that as I speak God's Word and as He anoints it, the Word will go out with power and it will touch you where you need to be touched. It will give you what you need today. That's the beauty of God's Word. It's always customized and tailor-made for everybody in the room. So please listen closely today. Keep your ears perked up and tuned in. We call it leaning in. Make sure you're listening because there's something for everyone today. Now, last week, the last point of the message last week was plan. All right? Plan. So there's trouble, and then you get into prayer. And then after you've prayed, you've got to start making a plan. Have you ever noticed without a plan, things just keep happening like they've been happening, Right? So you've got a plan. But I've noticed as we plan, things start to happen in life, especially with God's help. So let's go to Nehemiah 2.11. Check this out today. There's something in here for you. So Nehemiah 2.11, and this is Nehemiah speaking. The book is named after this gentleman. He says, so I arrived in Jerusalem. He got the king's permission. He was the king's cupbearer. He got permission to go to Jerusalem. So after he arrived in Jerusalem, they took some time to rest, right? Long, long journey. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans. Someone say plans. Plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. At this point, Jerusalem's walls have fallen down. They've been burned with fire. They're rebuilding the temple. But even to the Jewish people at this time, the people of God who had been exiled to Babylon about 70 years before, it's a big shame and disgrace. They're not only out from under God's protection, it feels like, because their walls are broken down. Remember, they disobeyed God. God allowed them to be exiled. He sent them off to a foreign land as judgment. But now they're trying, trying to make a life and a home for themselves again in the city that God has said, I will always put my name on the city. This will be the place that I will be remembered, and you will be remembered as my people. So the walls are burnt with fire. They're torn down. The, the temple isn't like it was, even though they're rebuilding it. He says, I had not told anyone about the plans. Someone say again, plans. Plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We what? We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. All right. Very useful animal. Donkeys. I like donkeys. They sound funny, but they're cute to me. Anyway. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Let's keep going. He says, then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley what? 
gate. The city, to, city officials did not know I'd been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration that was currently running Jerusalem and Israel, even though it wasn't the same anymore. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Talked about this last week. You come to a point in your life and you say, this, this is problematic, this is trouble. This is trouble. You can talk about it, you can declare it, but you need to get past it and we've got to do something. So you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. I love this. He says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Some of you, it's time for God to start working miracles in your family again. You're believers, so it's time to start believing again. We used to sing a song in here years ago. Brother Tony remembers it back in the day. I believe it was Sister Kelly used to sing, He'll Do It Again. He'll Do It Again. Oh, yeah. He'll, some of you remember back in the day, you remember that song, He'll Do It Again. Oh, He will if you'll just give Him space and you'll believe. God is always looking for someone who believes. Someone say, I believe. God's always looking for someone who simply believes, takes him at his word. It's crazy the things God will do for people if they will just believe. He says, man, let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. When the family walls are down, it becomes a disgrace, huh? We're not close anymore. We don't pray together anymore. The walls have fallen down. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. You know when you start making changes and God starts bringing changes in your life, it's a good work, huh? What did God say over and over again in Genesis? God created and did something that was according to his plan, and Scripture says he saw that it was good. Everything he did, he'd say, uh-huh, the first day, uh-huh, and it was good. It was good. Somebody say it was good. God's will, God's plan is always good. So as you begin to plan, you say, man, there's trouble, there's a problem, you begin to plan, you start to find your purpose. Let's put that first one up today. Start to find your purpose. Now, purpose is not always easily found for people because many people don't want to serve to get there. You've got to serve to be able to find your purpose. You've got a plan and all this, but you've got to start serving. I'm excited about this ministry about this church, about this service, about Kingsgate, because we've been averaging about 80-something on, on Sunday mornings. Probably have about the same today, close to that. 80, 85 people in here. What's amazing is you don't see everybody because some are on the other side teaching in King's Kids. What's amazing is this church, let's just say 80 people that come regularly. We have over 50 volunteers that volunteer regularly. They greet on Wednesdays, they greet on Sundays, they take up offering, they help with King's Kids, they help with 512, they help pick up trash, they help me run errands, they assist me. They do other things, and that is amazing. In serving, I promise, dear man of God, dear woman of God, woman of God you will find purpose. I was telling a young man this morning who was assisting me. He's being discipled and God's working in his life. I told him, you know what, it's crazy that a lot of people, they'll start to serve or won't serve because they say, I'm not called to do that. Man, I've pulled toilet paper out of the toilet that wasn't supposed to be flushed. I don't know if I'm called to do that. But I'm, y'all are like, oh, 
gross humor. I'm, I'm all boy. Sorry. I used to gross my mom out. I'd tell her weird things. I'd say, Mom, how about, she'd say, you hungry? I'd say, yeah, I'm hungry. I'd say, you have any booger sandwiches? I don't remember when I got the last one in before she went to heaven, but she hated that all the way to the end. She's like, babe, that's gross. And she'd go, don't even say that. She'd put her hand out. Those of you that knew mom, she'd go, don't even say that. It's gross, and I don't like it. I'm like, why don't you like it? Kind of mess with it, you know. You may not be called to do this forever, but you're called to serve. Say, man, I'm not picking up trash. Well, who will? I, I will. I do it when no one's looking. That's not for glory or credit or honor. It just seems commonsensical, right, to help when you can and where you can. Say, man, I want to help. with. There have been those in here who have helped over the years with meals for families that were going through funerals and a loss. They helped us when, when mom was winding down and getting ready for heaven. They were making meals every week. There's those that serve that way. There's all kinds of ways you can serve. You can help with the youth, whatever, sound, video, whatever, but I'm telling you right now, serving is great because it works on humility. It says, yeah, I'm needed, but we're all needed. And if I'm not serving, someone else is going to serve. But here's what I want to focus on today is serving helps you find your purpose. And I believe when you find your purpose, you begin to find more hope and more peace. More hope and more peace. Did you know when I began serving at this ministry... Many years ago, helping with, with children's church and stuff in 1998. By 1999, I'd left my regular office job. I was so sick of it. And I said, man, I just want to go help at the church, man. By then, I'd stopped running from the call of God all my life. I helped lay concrete, helped to build the building over here. I didn't lay any block, but I did lots of support work, painting and different stuff. And I began to serve. I remember I was getting big, fat $7 an hour. $7 an hour. But I remember in that season, I learned to serve in other areas. Dad would go, hey, would you take care of this for me? Would you do this? And I began to serve, began to serve. And then when I felt called to the ministry and I knew I was going to obey the call to the ministry, I became youth pastor. And I had already been practicing serving, so it wasn't hard to keep serving. And I didn't ever have the mindset of, I'm not going to get my hands dirty. Because I've heard people say that. I heard a guy many, many years ago, he said, he said oh, yeah, now that I'm, I'm serving as a minister, he told me this. He, well, he told someone near me. He said, I don't even have to get my, my hands dirty now that I'm a pastor. I'm like, really? Mine are, mine are calloused and dirty a lot. Got to use hand sanitizer. Got to wash up. Got to get your hands dirty, not be afraid to get dirty in serving. And when you serve, you begin to find your purpose. And when you serve, you connect. And when you connect, wow. I was talking to a man of God this morning about that. When we connect, we feel like we belong. And when we belong, we want to serve more. Men, let me give you a little, little blurb here. There's a men's retreat coming up, and if you haven't signed up for it, I encourage you. I encourage you. It'll be October 7th through 9th. Dad and I will be taking a group of men to the mountains in Cloudcroft. Your cell phones won't work well. There may or may not be Wi-Fi, but you can take a break. The world will go on without you, and you can begin to find some purpose in your life. October 7th through 9th, a Friday morning, and we get back Sunday afternoon. We'll take time off, and we'll go and seek God together. We'll pray. Dad will bring some words. I'm sure I'll be bringing some words, too. And we will learn together, and we will be discipled together, and we'll begin to find purpose. You can never find purpose if you don't ever connect. When people get divided from the army that they're supposed to be part of, 
They get attacked. They lose sight of the purpose. They lose sight of the vision. They lose sight of goals. You are not called to be alone. You're not called to be isolated. You're called to be together. We break apart during the week, but you're called to serve. You're called to be together and to find purpose. These folks, they said, let's rebuild the wall. They said, our purpose right now is to rebuild the wall. What is your purpose? Some of you are like, man, I'm a great cook. Well, God bless you. I am not. I can do some stuff. But Jen starts going, can you help me? I'm like, oh, I can serve. But oh, <laughs> all right. I, I forget how to boil water. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating. But I can do a few things, but it's not impressive. I've made some stuff, and Jen went, this is actually pretty good. And some other stuff, she's like, baby, thanks for helping me. <laughs> right? Some of you ladies know, like, oh, praise God. You can help again next quarter, about three or four months. Find your purpose as you serve. So when you plan and you start to find purpose, what happens? Oh, let's put up this next point. You run into opposition. As soon as you've committed to start coming to church on a Sunday, something comes up. They change your job schedule. La suegra starts acting up. For those of you that habla espanol, your mother-in-law, I don't know, I have a fabulous mother-in-law. She's an angel. She can move and live over here whenever she wants. But some of you, I've heard some people talk about their mother-in-law, and I'm like, it's your mother-in-law. Why are you talking so bad? They're like, you don't know her. They're like, I hope she lives, but may she live far away and all this crazy stuff. (laughs) Man, I must be blessed among men and women. I have a fabulous mother-in-law. She is my second mom. And I think she's listening this morning. Hi, Mom. But whatever it is, I just wanted to make sure you're still awake. But things happen. Opposition occurs. As soon as God gives the word, sometimes things go to hell in a handbasket. So are you cursing, Pastor Matt? No, no, I'm, they're headed that way. It feels that way. That's a saying. Not trying to, trying to offend anyone. But think, man, as soon as God gives the word, times get tough. I remember when I was called to be youth pastor here, and it was time to step up and do something for God that way, actively, and serve and minister and teach and preach. Man, some things went downhill for some months. I had to believe God because I knew the word and I knew what was coming, but man, it was tough. God has spoken to some of you recently, and you know what you're supposed to do, and you haven't done it because of that word right there, that little bitty word, opposition. Something or someone, maybe your past, maybe you caught a case, man, with the legal system. Something has opposed you now, and you just threw your hands up in despair. Mm-mm. You're better than that. You're better than that. You stick it out in that marriage. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning on the live stream. You stick it out. You hold on. You hold on. No, you say, no, we're going to work this out. You say, man, you stick it out with those kids. Say, man, this guy, this kid owes trouble. Man, I'm going to spank him and ground him, do what I do without abuse. I'm going to take away their cell phone, but we're not giving up. Opposition. There's sometimes people start to teach or serve, and, man, their home life gets all stirred up. All kinds of crazy stuff breaks loose. When you plan, you start to find purpose as you serve. And as you serve and see your purpose in God, or you begin to see your purpose in God, many times opposition arises. Let's go to Nehemiah 2.19. Look at these jerks right here. Just don't ever name your son Sanballat, okay? When Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What was their plan? They said, we want to rebuild the walls. 
Well, news got out. People talk, right? What are you doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king, they asked. What a stupid question. The king gave his blessing to Nehemiah to go forward with his plans. I replied, Nehemiah said, the God of heaven will help us succeed. That's how you respond to opposition. I'm not mad at you. I ain't going to fight with you. I'm not going to argue with you. The God of heaven will help me succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. And it's interesting because the opposition changed and it did all kinds of weird stuff. It went from one thing to another. They mocked it first. I remember when Dad, when God spoke to Dad years ago to build this building, people told him, you know, you building the building, that's of Christian people. Didn't they tell you, Dad? That's of the devil. Let's see, we're going to build a building to worship God and get people saved and delivered and healed. How can that be of the devil? The building fell. There were some setbacks. There was opposition. Dad was injured. He was miraculously healed. They resurrected the building, rebuilt. But while Dad was in the hospital, people said, I told you this wasn't of God. Come on, Holmes. Get it straight. But these people started off with, what are you doing? Are you going to re- rebel against the king? Is it legal what you're doing? People question. Some of y'all call them haters. I don't use that word a lot, but that's what they do. They say, oh, you're serving God, huh? Why? Are you in trouble with the law? They'll start questioning you right off. Say, man, it doesn't matter why I started serving God. I had to climb in here like a cat, something the cat drug in by my claws and scrape in here, but it don't matter. I'm serving God now. Don't worry about it. Don't be giving me a hard time. Don't be giving me a hard time. Let's go to Nehemiah 4.11. Opposition will always show up at some point. You start to serve God. There's been people, I've seen them, they start putting God first, then they start struggling with depression. No, you push through. I've been there. You push through. You push through. Many times people see ministers, and they see pastors, and they see the family, the family here that the sin of family. We've been at this church for years. Mom and dad were founders. Say, man, y'all don't go through anything. Our lives may be different than a lot of people. There may be some special things we've been set apart in. My parents were married over 40 years, some great things, but it doesn't mean we don't have trouble or problems. Remember last week's message? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble and sorrow. It's going to happen, all right? It's going to always show up at some point. There will be opposition. Nehemiah 4.11, look at this. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. Why do y'all care? Why do you hate the work of God so bad? Man, I've, I've seen guys over the years, the wife's coming to church for months and years, and the, the guy won't serve God. I don't think I'm speaking to anyone in here, right? You guys love God, those living, uh, watching the live stream or listening here after, you love God. But I, and it's amazing. The guy won't come to church. The guy won't come to church. And then he says, hey, from now on, I remember, I remember their faces. I remember the guy going, hey, baby. I know I haven't been a great husband, and I'm not going to r- really go to church with you, but uh, we're going to start spending our day together. Every Sunday, I'm going to take you and the family out of town. Why don't you let those people go to church? How strange. And it's wrapped in a good gift, huh? The guy's been acting crazy, beating his wife, cussing at the kids, aggressive, doing all kinds of stuff. He says, hey guess what, this Sunday and next Sunday and the next, we're going to have plans every Sunday. Can you imagine? I've seen that. It's like, bro, just come with them to church. Let's, you can take a Sunday off or some Sundays and go have family time, vacation. That's normal, but huh? are you trying to keep them out of church? And I've seen it work. 
I've seen the husband fight and be so jealous. I've seen men be jealous of God. Not nobody in here I know. But opposition when the woman tried to serve God. You know what? Shame on you men. You need to be serving God. See, I'm the head of the home. Well, let, let me see you serve God, and we'll talk about it. We'll see what you are of the home. Start serving God. When a man leads by serving God, man, the wife has no problem loving and submitting and responding to him in love and respecting him, and they work together. You can work together as equals in the home, even though your roles are different. You honor and respect and submit to each other. There's so many things that I just like being able to say, you know what? That's what you want to do? Praise God. Jen's like, you don't want to do it. I'm like, I do now. Let's go. It's going to be my new, may not be my favorite, but it's going to be up there. You know, we're going to try it out. We first got married. I'm a little off the subject a little bit, but somebody needs to hear this today. We first got married. Jen said, man, we want to go to the beach. I'm like, there's sand at the beach. Get it between my toes and I'm burning. Look how white I am. I'm bald. She'd go to the beach. I'd stay in the room. I was like, baby, I love you. I'd go walk with her. I'd say, it's hot. I'm going. We figured out something, though. No matter how hot or humid it is, anywhere, even in the desert, beach, jungle, whatever, if I have shade and keep my head covered, I could do it all day long, like Captain America. I can do this all day long. <laughs> Some of y'all know about that Marvel reference. I can do this all day. And now I love the beach. Man, I've, I've gone on other vacations. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was a tough vacation. Why don't we go to the beach? Who wants to go hang out in the city? Let's go. There's times we're just out there like this, like this, really like this, just looking at the water. Do you see that? See what? It's a porpoise, dolphin. That cloud looks like my bicep. You know, I don't know. You've got to disconnect sometimes. Men, work with your wives. Wives, work with your husbands. Take good vacations. Disconnect. Do it. But let me tell you something. Opposition will arise when you begin to serve God. And these guys, man, these big devils. look Now look, the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. You ever had people freaking you out over stuff? They're coming to get us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with what? Swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't you be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. This is for you when you're going through opposition. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now is the season to fight back. Because opposition's coming. You've got to just fight through it. Before you got vision, before you saw a plan or purpose, there was opposition. During, especially after, there's always opposition. It's going to come. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall keep moving through opposition are you with me point three today let's bring this home i'm gonna close it out with this one here in a moment not quite yet rebuild everybody in here has some area in their life that needs to be rebuilt after you found your plan and your purpose 
You're going through opposition. You say, well, as soon as the opposition stops, we'll no. These guys, they stayed armed while they were rebuilding. You're about to see that. They kept doing what they had to do against opposition because it was time to rebuild. Some of you, no more, no more procrastinating. It's time to rebuild your homes. It's time to start praying again. That's a family altar. Man, I am excited that you are here today, but may God inspire you that this will only be the beginning for you, that Sunday will not be your only day that you spend time with God. This will be an inspiration for you and a light and hope for your future so you'll be close to God and your family and draw them in and say, it's time to rebuild. Let's go to Nehemiah 3, verse 1. Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. I find that fascinating that they begin to rebuild at the place of the flock. Isn't that interesting? Here you are. You get to be, rebuild your homes amongst the other sheep. We are sheep of his pasture, Scripture says. They began to rebuild at the sheep gate. Then they dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as what? The Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked where? Next to them. Alongside them. We're working together to rebuild, aren't we? Can't do it on your own. You rebuild your section in front of your house, but you're rebuilding the walls in your home, but someone else is rebuilding next to you. That's why we come together for community here at the church. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them. Someone say next to. And beyond them was Zakur, son of Emery. Hmm. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hasena. Interesting name there. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. They rebuilt correctly. That's what I get out of that. They laid, it, they laid the frame in there. must have had some kind of a foundation, but they laid beams in, put in its doors, and they installed its bolts and bars. And here we are. Rebuilding has commenced. Someone say, it has begun. Uh-huh. Because there's opposition before and after rebuilding starts. So just keep rolling, my brother. Keep stepping. Keep marching. Just keep moving. Now let's go to Nehemiah 6.15. Get ready. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Someone say finished. Look at this miracle. Just 52 days after we had begun. Anybody ever been at Jerusalem? Those walls are serious. I know the walls are probably different back then. They've changed. They've been torn down over and over through the centuries. But wow, building walls that are high and you can walk on those walls, they're huge. Just 52 days after we had begun. What does the next verse say? When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with what? The help of our God. As you rebuild, people will look around and go, wow, they couldn't have done that without God. It's a miracle. I know where she used to be. I know where she came from. I know where he used to be. I know where he came from. I remember the sister years ago. We were, I was talking to one of the sisters, she's in here today, but we were in South Africa, and she said, Pastor Matt, can you imagine? She said, I was raised on the avenues, and now I'm getting to lead worship in South Africa, in all these villages. We were raised on the south side. There's a kinmanship of those that were raised on the south side here. It's like, oh, you're on the south side? I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. You already know. Y'all know about it, huh? I talk to people, they're like, south side where? I'll between Texas and Temple, South Selman. I'm like, that's where I came from. Oh, man, okay. That's a great gift to be able to, wow, you came from there and God's doing this stuff in your life. Yes. Doesn't matter how you start. Oh, but it matters, dear brother and sister, how you finish. We all show up with baggage, huh? 
But we got to leave baggage a lot. As we run the race, you got to start to drop baggage, don't you? Man, I can't keep running with this crazy stuff. King David, when he went to fight the, uh, Goliath, they put all kinds of armor on him. He said, I can't fight with all this baggage. I need to be able to move, man. I'm going to be able to sling my stones. I can't do it with this. So as you move forward to rebuild, start letting go of stuff. Start letting go of stuff. Let's talk about it briefly here. Family. Someone say family. Mm -hmm. How about your future? We're going to rebuild that. You start to see there's hope. You say, how can I rebuild my future? Well, you're rebuilding the steps to your future. Now you can see that the future is looming ahead, and you go, hmm, it's not, it's not threatening me like it used to. It's not worrying me like it used to. I'm living in these days now where I'm serving God to the best of my ability today, doing everything I can today, preparing for tomorrow, but not worrying about it. Rebuilding the future. Man, what else can I rebuild? How about my walk with God? Some of you, I'm going to always say this as pastor. I love you. You know this is for, for the good and for your betterment. You've got to get into the Word today. Do it today. Start now. Why wait? You say, well, I'm here at church. Okay, good. Make a commitment to wake up tomorrow and get into the Word. Some point tomorrow. Start reading. Say, I don't know where to start. Start in Genesis. You say, man, I've done that. I died off in the books of law. I just, I just fell out and fainted in there. Start in the book of Matthew or the book of John. Start somewhere and knock it out and keep going. Start reading now. Start seeking God. You say, man, I have a hard time with reading. I've said this a million times, but I'm going to say it again. Repetition is good. Listen to the word. How many of you have version on your phone, the Bible app? Go ahead and raise your hand. Healthy amount of us? If you don't have it, download it on your phone. version. You can listen to any translation you want out loud. You don't even have to read it. You can listen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Start to let God rebuild your self-esteem. Your life, your health. Why wait? Let's start now. So as you plan, you start to see, man, there's purpose here. And you start to, you start to serve. Start to serve God. And as you serve and apply yourself and help and do things for the kingdom of God. Share your faith with someone. Show, show up early here and help, help uh, Pastor John and Eric take care of some stuff. Volunteer during the week. King's kids. Whatever it is. You start to serve and you start finding purpose. And as you find purpose, after you've been planning and serving, you'll run into opposition. It's okay. You're going to make it through. I prophesy to you. You'll make it through if you don't give up. That's not a very deep prophecy. You'll make it through if you just keep walking. And then finally, you start the act, the honorable chore. I, I, I don't even think chore is the right word. The honorable task of rebuilding. Someone say rebuild. All right. Say it again. Say, I will rebuild. You said it. You have to now. Bow your heads and close your eyes if you would, please. Mm, this is your day for a new beginning. I can just feel it. I can just feel it. I know God is going to do something in your life, going to do something special in you today. We're not going to take a long time here, but we're going to take a moment to honor God together and realize that He's called us to rebuild and be strong and to reinforce our gates, reinforce the protection around our house by prayer and seeking God and being a living example to our kids, to our neighbors, to our family members, to our spouse. If there's anyone in here, you say, man, pastor, this is all great. But I don't know that it all makes sense to me because I'm not even walking with God at all. I've never accepted Jesus. If there's anyone in this house at the sound of my voice today who would say, Pastor Matt, 
I want to accept Jesus and make him the Lord of my life. I want to be a true believer. I want to live for God. Would you raise your hand if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and you want to commit today and make him the Lord of your life by faith? Would you raise your hand? I will pray with you. Is there anybody in the house, anybody at all, you say, man, I need to accept Jesus and I need to start seeking God. You got you to accept Jesus first. Is there anyone in here? I just want to make sure before we go on. No, most of you already have. All right, then do this for me. Do me this favor. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that you are who you say you are. I've been burdened with sin and guilt and shame, and I'm a sinner without you. Please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry. Say, I need you to save me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord and Savior and Creator. Come into my heart. Say, you're my Lord. And say, I believe that you died and rose again so I could be saved from hell and from myself and from sin. Say, I believe, and I know it's done in faith. Say, thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.